Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how birds avoid spreading fake news and how astronomers are using auroras to find distant exoplanets. And if you're stuck at home wondering about the unprecedented closures happening around the world right now, then stick around because Dr. Amish Adalja will join us from Johns Hopkins University Center for Health Security to explain how these big changes can help save lives. We may sound a little different than what you're used to because, Ashley, where are we right now? Uh, we are each at our respective homes. <laughs> Talk about an action-packed episode, and you're getting two episodes tomorrow. More on that later. Right now, let's satisfy some curiosity. A new study says birds measure the trustworthiness of information before repeating it. And they won't spread fake news. So much for being bird brains, am I right? Let's see what we can learn from these little tweeters. Well, first off, there aren't any secrets in the animal kingdom. So when a chickadee calls a high-pitched seep, other birds go silent, look up, and dive in the bushes. A hawk is flying through, and all the birds know to look out for it immediately. Sound familiar? Maybe like how news spreads on Twitter? Researchers call these complex bird alert systems the original tweeting, and they mimic our own social media networks in more ways than one. Fake news exists in nature, too. And thanks to new research, we now know that birds look at the source of their information before they decide to share. Definitely a lesson we could all learn. Yes, that's right. We now understand how birds decide whether or not to retweet the news they get. Birds have different warning calls for different threats they see or hear. So a call for... There's a snake on the ground. Sounds different from, there's a hawk flying over there. The calls are ridiculously sophisticated. They can tell nearby animals both how big and how immediate the threat is. But what researchers found for this most recent study is that birds called nuthatches vary their calls based on the source of the information. When they hear the call of one of their predators directly, they send out a really specific warning. But when they hear the information from another species, like the chickadee, they send out a sort of generic alarm. Basically, the birds try to confirm information for themselves so they don't end up spreading fake news around the forest. So yeah, the big takeaway here is that birds have a more impressive system for deciding if information is credible than humans do. Oh well, good for the birds. And a powerful reminder to, especially right now, Check your sources before sharing on social media. The last thing anyone needs right now is fake news. Scientists have found yet another exoplanet, but this time it's different. That's because they did it using a new way of finding worlds beyond our solar system. Even cooler, that method was inspired by the celestial bodies in our own backyard. So Jupiter's moon Io holds the title of most volcanic in the solar system. It's positively covered with volcanoes, which spew charged particles out into space. As the moon orbits Jupiter, those charged particles interact with the planet's magnetic field. The result? Huge, circular, glowing auroras in Jupiter's atmosphere. They're like the northern lights on steroids. So imagine astronomers' surprise when they spotted huge, circular radio flares coming off of a faraway star called GJ1151. The flares were way bigger than you'd expect from this kind of star, which is a dim, magnetically active star known as an M-dwarf. 
These flares lasted for hours and hours, and they seemed to be swirling around the star instead of straight out into space, kind of like an aurora. The researchers spotted this strange sight using a network of 20,000 small radio antennas positioned across Europe. This network is called the Low Frequency Array, and it works like a huge satellite dish that's sensitive enough to see objects we've never been able to detect before. The researchers noticed this star because its solar flares showed surprisingly strong signals in the new data. When they compared those observations with a map of stars in the Milky Way, the evidence suggested that just like Io and Jupiter, these flares were indeed caused by an interaction between the star's magnetic field and charged particles coming from a planet, a planet we never knew existed. The researchers haven't seen the planet itself, but it's the best explanation they have for why an otherwise quiet star is throwing off such spectacular auroras. To be fair, though, they did try to check their work with other planet hunting methods, and they came up empty. That could either mean there's no planet there, or that the planet is too small to see with traditional methods. That is, less than five times the size of Earth. If the latter ends up being true, that would make this the only method capable of finding such small planets. This could be the first object discovered with a method that's set to discover dozens or even hundreds more small, rocky worlds that we've never seen before. We're releasing the podcast you're hearing right now during what is pretty much a global lockdown. We know Curiosity Daily is kind of an escape from the news, but virtually everyone on the planet is affected by what's happening right now. And we are a science podcast. So we got in touch with an expert to help you understand what's going on right now. Dr. Amish Adalja is a senior scholar at the Johns Hopkins University Center for Health Security. And tomorrow, along with our regularly scheduled episode of Curiosity Daily, we'll also be releasing an extra bonus episode with our full interview. We want to do what we can to help you stay informed. That said, we know that a lot of people, including Ashley and me, literally right now as we speak, are stuck at home. Everything seems to be closing, and some people are wondering why. Here's a preview of our conversation with Dr. Adalja that'll hopefully help you understand. If it is so mild in children, what's the point of closing schools? The point of closing schools isn't necessarily to, to protect the children from getting infection. It's to protect the, the adults and vulnerable populations from being exposed to children who are magnifiers of the infection. That's something that we've seen with influenza. It's not clear if this happens with coronaviruses, but people are extrapolating from influenza to the coronavirus. And that's why school closures are occurring as a way of kind of flattening the epidemic curve in a way to prevent people from coming into contact with this virus, especially if they are those at high risk for complications, which could really put our healthcare system into a uh, stress mode. Certainly. So right now, Basically, everyone's on lockdown. We're in Illinois. Illinois is one of the states where they announced that they're going to close all restaurants and everything for 14 days. What is going to be accomplished by discouraging or, or limiting uh, large groups of people getting together and putting people essentially in isolation for, for two weeks? What, what good is going to come from that? So the rationale is that this will decrease transmission intensity and allow the cases to accrue at, at a slower pace, a pace that's easily manageable by or more easily manageable by our healthcare system than a huge spike in cases that might occur if people went on interacting the way they do. And this is being taken from the Italian experience where they had that type of a spike and really put their hospitals in their northern region of Lombardy into uh, major 
crisis mode. That's the rationale here. I think it will be questionable how, how well it will work with just two weeks. Sometimes you have to do this for, for a long period of time, uh, up to eight weeks in some instances. And these types of social distancing measures are something that have to be weighed against the consequences and the costs of them. There are huge economic costs and societal costs to them that have to be constantly evaluated because you are going to be putting people out of work and people need to work in order to buy, to buy goods and goods that they need to survive. And we need to make sure that we're not causing more harm than good. So these types of decisions need to be continuously evaluated. They need to be nuanced, geographically specific, uh, and, and have clear triggers for ending. Uh, so I, I think that's the, that's the issue that we need to, to do when we do these types of social distancing measures. But certainly mass gatherings like parades and sports events are really major nexuses for viral transmission. Again, that was Dr. Amish Adalja, senior scholar at the Johns Hopkins University Center for Health Security. Keep an eye on your podcast feed for a bonus episode featuring him tomorrow. I hope we helped demystify some of what's going on right now. Ashley and I are on lockdown just like everybody else during this whole situation. So what we're going to do is if you listen to Curiosity Daily as your Amazon Alexa flash briefing in the morning, you're still going to get our regular episode tomorrow. So that won't be affected at all. But if you want to listen to our full bonus episode about coronavirus, you can find that on curiositydaily.com or go to any podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Just search for Curiosity Daily and it'll be the second most recent episode because we're going to release it pretty much at the same time as our normal episode Wednesday will drop. So Amazon Alexa Flash users, you do have to take an extra step to go find it, but that's where it'll be. Because the thing is, we still want to be your escape from like the real world. But this is, again, it's like, this is everywhere, right? This is everything right now. So we just, we wanted to put that bonus episode out there. It's there if you want it or just let it go. And we'll continue to give you the little reprieve from the nonstop coverage happening right now. Yeah, it's definitely a reprieve for us too. So it's, we all need it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll yeah. do our best to keep you entertained while we're all cooped up. And to be perfectly clear when I say cooped up, I don't just mean that everyone is working from home. What I mean by that is that everyone's social opportunities are severely limited as so many sporting events and concerts and bars and restaurants have actually been closed. So believe me, we do not take it for granted that we do have the luxury of working from home. But I feel like whether you're going into work or not, you're probably spending a little more time at home right now. So we'll do what we can to help. As always, let's recap what we learned today. I learned that birds are better at Twitter than we are because they check their sources and they won't spread fake news. Specifically, they verify the source of information before they spread it around. I think social media companies could actually learn something from this. Like, what if every tweet, instead of just having a like button, it also had like a this is misinformation button? I mean, I think Facebook's trying to do that and it's just not. I think working. a lot of people are trying to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it seems it's probably a lot harder than we give them credit for. No, I have all the answers. <laughs> I can just come up with it off the top of my head. Clearly, I'm that smart. Just kidding. And I learned that astronomers are finding distant exoplanets by looking for auroras in their home stars. I also learned what an aurora is. I knew I had to I had to ask Ashley about this before we recorded. I I know that an aurora is lights, but I'm like. What like for what physically is it? It's it is just lights, right? It's charged particles interacting with the magnetic field causing light. Yeah. So it's just light. It's yeah. lights. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's really pretty lights. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
I was actually hoping to see the Northern Lights this week in Sweden and coronavirus. Yeah. I canceled it all. But I might rebook to see the Midnight Sun during the summer instead. So that's an equally cool astronomical event. There you go. I like that you're staying positive. Yeah. I also like that you're taking vacations. <laughs> Finally. I'm just postponing those vacations, it apparently. Only, it only took me two years of nagging you about it. And then, of course, it gets postponed. <laughs> Here we are. I take marathon vacations. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. You get out of your house more than I do. I don't know what I'm not trying to be critical here. No, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) And my dog growing up was named Aurora. Aurora Zeppelin Goth, by the way. You can tell what kind of music (laughs) my brothers liked. But that was more, I think, for Aurora, Illinois, which is both near where I grew up and the home of Wayne's World, which is a really great movie and Saturday Night Live sketch. Sure. Today's stories were written by Kelsey Donk and Grant Curran and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.